Sometimes I don't know how to answer questions about Christianity. Sometimes I get asked questions that I wonder myself. I know I don't have all the answers, and I trust the Bible to guide me. But for someone who doesn't believe in the Bible, where do I even start? Searching for God is a study package you can do alone or with a group. It'll walk you through some of the challenges you're facing from friends or family who don't understand your faith. Searching for God. Available at Zondervan.com. Charles Stanley says, The amount to which you are spirit-filled is not how much of God you can grasp, but how much of yourself you can empty out. And it's a really good reminder that as Christians, we try to grasp God's goodness and we try to grasp and hold and clutch onto the good behaviors and the right behaviors. But the truth is being spirit filled is not about how much we can scratch and claw to accomplish. It's about how much of ourselves we can just empty out. Just, just keep digging. Hi, this is Holly and welcome to study with friends. This week, we continue our series in the book of 1 Peter. In some ways, this book seems to be a continuation of the Gospel of Mark, which we just studied, and you can find that study on our website, studywithfriends.org. But here in this book, we see Peter carry through this suffering servant theme to provide instruction on the ways that Christ's followers might suffer and how they should respond. If you miss any part of this program or if you want to hear it again, please get to our website, studywithfriends.org, and type Peter in the search box. You can listen there online or search us on your favorite podcast service. That's studywithfriends.org. All right, let's go on to 1 Peter 1, uh, just verse 22. Gianna, would you read that? Sure. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So what do you think the deal is with maybe what's the suffering element in there? Do you find a suffering element in that verse? Absolutely. I do not like people. And and this verse is calling you to, you know, love one another and and, and earnestly, not, you know, be nice to everybody. That's what Jesus wants you to do. It's like have a legitimate unconditional love. And I'm like, no. Yeah, that's I hard. don't like her like I don't want to be her friend I don't want to love her and like it, yeah that's absolutely something I struggle with daily with certain people I'm just like I know that I'm supposed to love them and I know that I'm supposed to be Jesus and not and not on a superficial level legitimately care about a person but it is very very difficult to care about people that you don't like okay so I'm going to share something there, about three or four years ago Someone in my life got really sick. And this is a person who, um, never mind. I have a hard time um, I hear you being about. patient with because she has filter problems and she's hurt me and she's hurt my kids with her lack of filter. Um, but she's in our lives. And so I try to, you know, up until this passage, until God intervened, I really didn't cope well. I would like just grit my teeth and go spend time with her. And then my husband would have to talk me out of the tree or my kids would have to talk me out of the tree because I was very bothered by like this lack of, fil- this just, this personality. And um, she got sick and I read, I, I happened to read this passage In a new translation, I read an old passage to me, which is the Galatians 5, Fruit of the Spirit. 
And so I read this translation and the word patience was translated as long suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I had this sort of moment where yeah. I was like, oh, patience is suffering for a long time. That's what patience okay is. That's yeah. what patience yeah. is. If you can tolerate something, you're not being patient with it. If it's easy for you, it doesn't require your patience. It's when it's hard and you're suffering that it's that it requires patience. And all of a sudden I realized that God calls me into this relationship mm-hmm. and I'm going to suffer in it, but he calls me into it anyway. And I don't know, that really helped me because I was like, it helped me just put it all into perspective and be like, sort of change my mindset before I entered it instead of expecting this person to be different and frustrated that she couldn't be better Yeah, <laughs> in my mind. I just went into it expecting to suffer and asking God to help me be patient and suffer well, suffer lovingly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just reminded me when you said no. that about certain people and you just, they're in your life and you can't change that. Or even, for whatever even if reason, you could you, change it. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily you want to. Yeah. You, you, you see that they have value, but there's just something about them that rubs you the wrong way, right? Yeah, and I think that the... The tr- that translation of patience the, to long suffering because I feel like we do have a connotation with patience that isn't suffering based mm-hmm. you know that isn't like I'm going into this knowing that I'm going to not have a good time yeah like <laughs> it's sort of like I, I I don't think of patience like that I think of patience like you know with a little kid like I don't think of hanging out with a little kid as long suffering I mean certain children but for the most part <laughs> for the most part it's you know I just think of patience as sort of like okay put that down yes, and okay do I this so. and don't eat that and put you know, spit that out you yeah. know like and like when that's more that's more stamina yeah and like but that's of how just like doing the right thing over a long period of time which is related very good which is related to this I think that most people equate patience with doing the right thing for a long period of time and don't acknowledge the suffering element of it because you're not really like to use the example of a little kid you're not really suffering when you're with a little kid because they're generally fun you know like and it's you know it's good you're doing a good thing and and you're at the end of the day you don't feel like wow that was the worst day of my entire life Mm -hmm, you know it's mm -hmm. like yeah i'm tired but i'm fine Mm -hmm. so like i think people i think people equate um patience with just stamina but it really but patience implies suffering. It does. And that if you aren't suffering, it's not patience. That's right. And that translation really helped me to understand that. So mm. it's not fun. That's not a fun thought. Right. And that's kind of the idea. That's what Peter's poking at here. You have purified yourselves, obeying the truth, and you have sincere love for each other. It comes from the heart. He's saying it comes from your transformation. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it shouldn't be, it's going to be difficult, but it isn't something that you just need to put your head down and power through yeah because when you have the holy spirit in your life and in your heart it it it's you're not left out in the cold like okay go be patient and go suffer for a long time have fun from your own strength check back with Mm -hmm. me you know at the Mm -hmm. end of the day Mm -hmm. it's you have a newfound strength so Mm -hmm. yes you have newfound problems but you also have a new way of dealing with them yeah amen it's not that's good you know you, you it's not, I'm not going to say it's easier, but it's not as difficult as it sounds because you have, you know, you have the power of the Holy Spirit helping you 
be patient mm-hmm. and suffer well. And that's, you know, if like people Romy forget said, that too. if we can get out of the way and let him help us. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit of it. That's a two step process, yeah. especially <laughs> for me. But um, for all right. Us. That's once good. you get there. Yeah. Once you get us. there, it's okay. Yeah. Anybody else on um, verse 22 of chapter one? All right, Caitlin, would you read uh, chapter two, verse one, also short? Mm-hmm. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. I think it goes to what we were saying earlier. Yeah, mm-hmm. but those are let some go very of pointed, those old old behaviors. Those are some yeah, pointed words. <laughs> yeah, I was I was reading that and I was like, oh, uh, that's not easy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like those things are definitely not easy things to get rid of, and it's like you kind of wish that they were, but through the Holy Spirit and through everything that God has given us and like through his power, we are able to get rid of those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great like reassuring thought to have because sometimes people are like, oh, I can stop doing this thing by myself. Like I can do this, but it's like, you you can't do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. You think you can, Mm -hmm. might be able to for like a little bit, but Mm -hmm. not for the long term. Yeah, that's right. Um, You know, there are a few preachers that I like that really remind me that I am not sentenced to be this person anymore. There's sort of this strange balance between what's being, it's okay. Oh gosh, I don't want to articulate this well. So we have our salvation experience and we always talk about God gives you this gift and you accept this gift of salvation in that salvation moment, like your first salvation moment. Mm -hmm. But then certainly all of us, especially me, there are like these, daily moment to moment salvation experiences where we have to receive what God has for us in that moment that he is a gift and we are trying to we're trying to do something we're trying to muscle through something but his his Holy Spirit is like actually I could just do this for you if you could just get out of the way Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean and so it's like these moment to moment gifts of of being saved from ourselves and that's what I think of when I read this passage like yeah, that's a long list of ugly behaviors, but I'm not on the hook to figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm, like exactly. That, somehow we as Christians think, oh, I'm saved now and I shouldn't be displaying any of these behaviors anymore. Shouldn't we st- want to. Yeah, you do. we still live yeah. in a body that's made of flesh. It's just a question of, I say this a lot, but I, it's worth saying a lot. Charles Stanley says, the amount to which you are spirit filled is not how much of God you can grasp, but how much of yourself you can empty out. And it's a really good mm. reminder that um, as Christians, we try to grasp God's goodness and we try to grasp and hold and clutch onto the good behaviors and the right behaviors. But the truth is being spirit filled is not about how much we can scratch and claw to accomplish. It's about how much of ourselves we can just empty out just just keep digging keep digging and keep and he'll fill in yes and he comes he'll he'll fill in but you can't shove god inside of your heart if your heart's already full of blocked up yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that i feel like that's a i mean it's it's not really a visual but it's yeah charles stanley Mm -hmm. he always he's always a home run (laughs) okay so more dot com what's that said he's the bomb.com he is love that man (laughs) uh Anything else on verse one? That's a pretty simple one. I and mean, we kind of hit that note already. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gianna, I think your point is well made that maybe we don't go through every single one. Are there any well, others? No. I mean, we, everybody did one so far. So are there any others that 
really jumped out at you that you would like leaving aside uh chapter three verses 13 to 17 because we're really going to dive into that together are there any or do you want to just run through like i'll read i'll read two nine through twelve and then if you guys could look through your notes and see which of the remaining verses you you really think are important to lift up so first peter chapter two verses nine through twelve but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You may notice that, it, or in your Bible, you may have a separation between um, verses 10 and 11. Sometimes Bibles will put a little title um, in between mm-hmm. two verses to sort of start a new section. And that can be really helpful, but sometimes it can be a little bit detrimental to our global understanding of the message because those titles were not in the original text. Like Peter didn't start a new paragraph with the title that you see above verse mm-hmm. 11. And so sometimes I um, I want to back up the truck and make sure that I understand what happened right before that in scripture. So when I was uh, pulling the homework, I wanted to... Um, you know, we were, were sort of on this path of abstain from sinful desires, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then uh, certainly for the purpose of purifying yourself and also for being an example to others. But I wanted to reverse a little bit and understand what Peter said before that, because it's exactly what we've been talking about, guys, that it says to abstain. I keep taking my reading glasses off, but that's, I can't see. <laughs> uh, it says to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul and live as foreigner. Well, abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. And I'm like, okay, Peter, how do we do that? Well, in verses nine and 10, he tells us because we are a chosen people, a Royal priesthood, which by the way, people say all the time. That's like a favorite Christian phrase. We are a chosen people, a Royal priesthood. I mean, how many times have you heard that? Right? Like, okay. But in the context of what? Yeah. What's that? In the context of, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, as in we are now examples to all of those around us, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once we were not, a, I'm, I'm rephrasing to own it, once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. So abstain from sinful desires and live such good lives among the pagans, people who don't know the Lord. So they may accuse you though. They accuse you. They will see your good deeds and eventually glorify God. Right? That's sort of the journey of nine, 10, 11 and 12, although 11 and 12 in some Bibles start in a new sort of a new section. And so I wanted to, I wanted to lift out from that, that we may be accused, we may be criticized, we may be ridiculed by those around us for our Christian behavior, 
But God set us apart for that very purpose so that they would see us, see that we're different. And eventually, what he's promising us here is eventually our good modeling, our owning this royal priesthood and holy nation, chosen people, us standing fully in that identity will be a witness to the world and and people will be won over for that. So we suffer, but the purpose is our sanctification and the and the um, salvation of people around us. I saw you first, Jan. What were you going to say? Well, I just, you mentioned that people, that's a very, you know, common tagline. People like to, we are a chosen race, or a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And I've just, I've, I've heard it, obviously, in other contexts, but I often hear that phrase Uh, I don't know how much it shows up in the rest of the Bible. I'm sure it does. But um, I've heard that phrase a lot used to justify hate. And I just thought it was very curious that immediate, not curious, convenient, that immediately after it calls us out for not being, for, for being saved, not being righteous. And it isn't like you're a holy people or a holy nation, a chosen race, a royal priesthood. So you are awesome. It's to live privileged. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's like yeah, but you came from nothing, and don't forget that. And mm-hmm. I just it's, I mean, it's not curious. It's it's definitely on purpose. That reminder is directly after a, a a phrase so often used to justify unnecessary hate by the church. I just thought that was very interesting that you brought up. People like to say that, and I've heard it in you know genuine contexts as well. But I often hear that. In very hateful contexts, and I thought that the context that the um, following verse was pertinent. Mm-hmm. How about you, Caitlin? Um, well, I was looking at verses like eleven and twelve when it was saying that people, like non-believers, will see how we act, and I feel like I've heard that a lot. But I don't know. I felt like it was a little bit different this time. But like you always hear that, like you know, you should always act. Um, like there's times where I heard it was like you should act so that people see how you act, but it's like it's not acting, it's like how you live your life. Mm-hmm. And people should see how you live your life um as a Christian with God and they'll see that you're different and that, you know, you don't react the same to certain things, like you don't um you know, some people will get angry when someone's insulting them and in what they believe in, but for us we're like, Okay, you're not insulting me, you're insulting God mm-hmm. and so we take that differently than someone else would be like if you're insulting their faith and um i just thought that was an interesting Mm -hmm. way to look at it because Mm -hmm. a lot of people are like oh you know act this way and then people will see it but it's like you should live that way yeah and and if i can pull even a little bit further on that thread if you're acting people see through it exactly so they're like oh you're a christian you're trying to be perfect you're acting like you're all perfect but we but i know you're not Mm -hmm. but if you really are transparent and just live your life and sometimes you succeed and sometimes you fail in your faith but being transparent and saying you know what caitlin i'm not always going to respond the right way to different environmental or circumstantial exactly problems I would like to say that I'll be a great witness to everyone around me at every moment in time. But the truth is I won't. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in that transparency of being like, listen, this really stinks and I hate it. And 
maybe I even am mad at God a little bit or I am frustrated. Like it's okay to show that you're not perfect, but to, but to show through that imperfection that you continue to strive towards what God has called you to do because of your deep love for him, because what he's done in your life, because he lives in you sort of letting people in on the process can even be kind of winning them over. You know, I think a lot of people, I think most people are more won over with a transparency of saying like, yeah, there are going to be moments where you handle something and someone's going to come up to you and be like, wow, why do you think differently about that? Why did you handle that differently? How did you, how did you accomplish that in a different way than most people would accomplish it? And you can say that was Jesus. But then there are some times where you're like, then there are other times where you fail Mm -hmm. and it's okay to be transparent and say, yeah, I failed, but God still loves me. I'm still a Christian, and I I will get back up and soldier on. Um, I don't know if, if that's something that you were thinking in yeah. the context here, but I don't know. I don't want us to get. I don't want us to get to get into. If I'm leading us into a message that's like be perfect so that everyone can see you as a cr- perfect Christian who loves mm-hmm. the Lord. It's a process, and I think. I think letting people in on the process, even as you're going through it, the process of sanctification as God makes you more like his son. I think letting people see that to a certain degree is a better witness than our, our perfection ever really could be anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, with the, I was thinking people are always looking to catch us like when we do something wrong. That's not Christian, like as they would say. And, um, like you said um when you do something wrong like admit it and don't be like oh like trying to hide it or something like that admit it and be like hey i was wrong Mm -hmm. but i'm still striving to be more like god i i think one of the one of the most telling markers of an authentic christian is humility i think if some if a christian comes across in any way arrogant or prideful there's something wrong there I think that that the true the people who bless me the most are the ones who are so humble and are like, you know what? I'm still figuring it out, but I'm, I'm the Lord is with me and I'm going to get there. Just humility. Hey, it's Holly again. This is the part where I remind you that our ministry is supported by donations and ask you to prayerfully consider helping to financially support the ministry of study with friends. But guess what? In this particular study, you'll hear us talk a little bit about a book called Searching for God, recently published by Zondervan and available on their website or ours. It's a great resource for equipping yourself in the way that 1 Peter 3.15 instructs us. It says, be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Searching for God is for individual or group study, and it'll walk you through some of the challenges that you're facing from the culture and maybe friends or family who don't understand your faith. It'll help you have the confidence you need to have those conversations in an informed but loving way. You can get this book, Searching for God, on our website, studywithfriends.org. And that supports our ministry too. So that's a win-win. I hope you take a moment to visit our website. You'll find a lot of free resources there as well. That's studywithfriends.org. See you next time. We study with friends.
Sometimes I don't know how to answer questions about Christianity. Sometimes I get asked questions that I wonder myself. I know I don't have all the answers, and I trust the Bible to guide me. But for someone who doesn't believe in the Bible, where do I even start? Searching for God is a study package you can do alone or with a group. It'll walk you through some of the challenges you're facing from friends or family who don't understand your faith. Searching for God, available at Zondervan.com.